I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's not good. <laughs> that sucks. Red the Pod, episode 23, where we always discuss the latest Nebraska issues. I'm Stephanie, and here with me today are my co-hosts, Melody and Emily, one of our other members of Seeing Red. Let's get started. How's it going, ladies? Good, good. How about you? Doing well, Melody? Well, I'm never... I'm never totally sure because I never actually know what is like every, literally everything on earth seems subjective, like could change at any minute based on uh, random people. I don't know. And their decisions. So I'm kind of always in a state of like, I don't know, <laughs> like just a state. That's the state. The state is, I don't know. I don't know. The state of 2020. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that could be what it is. How's your puppy? Okay, the puppy is, she got spayed and she had to take a break from the dog park, which was very difficult for everyone in the entire family. But now she can go back to the dog park. And so we're all just a lot happier. Although, oh my gosh, I don't even want to tell you, but (laughs) I will, I'll tell you. After she got spayed, she decided she didn't want to be at the bottom of the family pecking order anymore. And she's humping the toddler. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, it's not good. She's humping the toddler. Um, and the toddler is perplexed, doesn't totally hate it, you know, because she's not hurting him. But it's, uh, it's unsettling for the adults in the room to see it. Uh, we've been, she's getting better. She's, do, she's doing a lot better. We've been like up to the positive reinforced training and all that stuff. Uh, but oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. She's humping the toddler. It's Our <laughs> pandemic so, puppy. God, she's so naughty. Our so. pandemic puppy humped the neighbor t- kid. <gasps> and I was like, oh, Felix, stop humping. And they're like, that is called kangarooing. <gasps> And I went, oh, did I teach you a word you didn't know yet? (laughs) Yikes. So it is apparently called kangarooing, too. I was a little concerned. I felt really bad because I thought, oh, I've blown something. Okay. In other news, let's not invite Emily to hang out with other people's children anymore. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're a bad role model. (laughs) (laughs) Teaching children the word humping. Real sex words. Naughty. Uh, So, Emily, talk to us about that. Last time you were on the pod, didn't have a puppy. Did not have a puppy last time I was on the pod. I caved to the pandemic puppy, but he could not be cuter. Also, he was a horrible idea for someone who likes to sleep. Because he's teeny, teeny, tiny, and his bladder lasts exactly that long. (laughs) That sucks. But he's very adorable, he's very fun, and he loves every person that comes within his radius. So Felix is a a very happy addition to 
the household that is all together at home. Mm-hmm. A quarantine pet is just the best thing ever. It's also a terrible idea. Would not recommend. Also, definitely do it. Mm-hmm. It's an expect. Sure. <laughs> uh, Stephanie, what's new with your little new quarantine kitty? Well, she's adjusting well. Um, my older cat finally has caved and decided that maybe they can coexist in the same space, which is exciting. She's, she's got a little bit of challenges because she doesn't have one of her senses, but she's now has free range of the house and she's super cute and purrs louder than any creature I've ever met. So um, also exhausting, but awesome. I recommend quarantine pets to all. Aw, what, um, what sense is, what sense is she missing? Talk so to us she, about that. She is, uh, she's deaf. She doesn't have any of her hearing. For the first 10 days, I thought she was just ignoring me all the time. I was developing a complex, but, um, she, I don't know. She's learning everything she needs to know from Rocket. Uh, so how to be a cat and she reacts to, uh, actions instead of sounds, which is pretty adorable. So, huh. Do you have anyone in um, Nebraska that is helping you with your special needs cat that you'd like to give a shout out to? I I don't. I uh, actually, a friend recommended this place called the Cat Squad on Facebook, and there are lots and lots of great cat people on there. And, um, you know, it's been, she's been doing great. Nice. Excellent. Excellent kind of crazy and she likes to climb up the screens all the time and um so we're just dealing with that mostly just regular kitten things you know fair enough fair enough okay um there is a lot going on okay uh where do we (laughs) everything everything in nebraska is on fire uh the big well the big thing is omaha kind of out of nowhere said they're not going to start school in person. Uh, OPS is going to start online. I don't think it was out of nowhere. I think they had an immense amount of public pressure about people yeah. concerned about their educators and their children and making sure that they're safe. What I yeah. think is interesting is Omaha has several school districts and OPS is the only one that has announced they will be going virtual. So all of the staff in Westside, in Millard, in Bellevue, Papillion La Vista, um, the, all the other school districts in that area, they are also living in a hotspot, which is Douglas and Sarpy County. And they have not decided to go remote only. So right now only OPS teachers and students are not playing with fire. So I was um, listening to a brand new podcast that just came out. It's called Nice White parents. Emily, I actually called you and told you you need to start listening to it. I'm going to repeat that to you Um, because you like to listen to podcasts a lot. Uh, It's so good. And it is, I'm seeing everything through this very racialized lens when it comes to schooling. And I think like, so with redlining, what people don't realize about Omaha, even though it's a very white city, 70% of OPS, Omaha Public Schools, is not white. All of the white people carved out their own school districts. And a lot of the rhetoric this summer from white people has been, we have to keep schools open so that 
children in poverty and children of color and like they need to go back to school so that they can be healthy and strong. Uh, but what we're seeing like in Omaha is the families that actually go to OPS, they don't want their kids in school. They don't want their kids and their teachers on the front lines of a healthcare crisis when teachers don't have what they need. I think, and so really it's like white people just want to send their kids to school and they're like we see with every political debate, we're building it on the backs of people we don't care about to get what we want. So anyway, um, nice white parents. It's this really great podcast, but it's just changing my perspective of everyone. I like all the rhetoric around public schools and I am, uh, that's the conclusion I'm coming to because we also saw in Lincoln the parents, it's the Title I schools, the lowest income schools that are having the highest opt-outs. Those parents don't and, want their kids on the front lines. And I've been really interested to see if the final, what the final numbers end up looking like, but I, I bet it continues in that pattern. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. point that I saw brought up was that, that those are also parents that have very, very low rates of health insurance. And these are people that cannot afford to get sick. They can't. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, who can afford to get sick? Uh, I just saw on Twitter, there was a doctor, it's a pediatrician in Omaha. Their child is, they have an adult child who just got denied healthcare because of a previous medical issue. Guys, remember when that used to be illegal? Mm-hmm. When Obama was president, and remember how people like Don Bacon, Jeff Fordenberry, and Adrian Smith worked hard to undo that kind of stuff. Just want to throw that out there. Mm. So yeah, nobody can afford to get sick, not even doctors' children. Good times. Uh, so I have been quite shocked this week to learn we all know Lincoln is not a huge town. I mean, there's really no, I'm from Omaha, which is the biggest city, and it's still such a small town. I run into people from high school everywhere I go in Omaha. It's just not that big of a place. You just, so anyway, we all know teachers. We all know lots of teachers or staff at LPS. And I was pretty surprised to find out when everybody went back, a lot of the things we kind of assumed were happening are not happening. And that's what I'm hearing, too, from everyone I know who is staff at at LPS is saying, gosh, we're really concerned about what perhaps has been done in the last five months. Because when they showed up, plans were not as firmed up as we may be being led to believe. And supplies are not available. Yeah, it sounds like they actually made a very thoughtful plan, but just literally everything's on back order because... Every school in the nation is being forced to either, well, if they're in a red, red governed place, they're being forced to open their schools and everybody needs the same. It's like the toilet paper issue in March. Everybody bought one extra pack of toilet paper and we ran out of toilet paper in the nation. Well, if you're trying to buy PPE for all the teachers in the entire nation at the same time, we don't have it. There's no Clorox wipes. There's no, I mean, there's nothing. There's no 95 masks. There's nothing. Those clear masks so people can read lips, they're all on back order. And I don't think anybody in Lincoln, except for maybe the administration at LPS, uh, knew that. 
it feels like there's been a big trick going on. I also think the uh, it it sounded to me like uh, many of the like the district has a very comprehensive plan, right? And it drills down into hundreds and hundreds mm -hmm. of pages, um, maybe as many as six hundred pages of protocols. Except that it cannot deal with the reality of the day-to-day -day education within every specific building, which are all shaped different, which all have different equipment and different setups and different desks. And so, you know, you hear from a teacher who says, well, at our school, all we have are trapezoidal desks. And so in order for kids to be there, I've got to pair kids up and they have to both sit at the trapezoid desk. Or you hear from somebody else that says, well, we, you know, at our school, how can we both sanitize for five minutes at the end of every period, for example, say in a middle school setting, provide five minutes of mask free time for the kiddos, then they pat, they do their passing period, who's supervising the passing periods. All of those sort of individual logistics seem to be being formulated on the fly by teachers or other staff members within the building as they've returned to school on Wednesday. And of course, we've returned to school on Wednesday and educated grown-up people who are supposed to be wearing their masks return to school on Wednesday. And by Thursday, we already had folks in quarantine. Like 14, a really high number of people. I think the which, newspaper confirmed 12. <laughs> oh, was it 12? different schools, right? All different, three positives, three different schools, and 12 people in quarantine. And that's what the newspaper confirmed as of Friday night. Um, but that doesn't... I have heard anecdotally from people who said there are at least two people in my building out awaiting test results. So-and-so is not there awaiting a test result. So they don't have to tell, I mean, they, the school isn't gonna confirm that, the health department isn't gonna confirm that until the test comes back positive or negative. I literally just saw a Facebook post from somebody. She is not an educator in LPS. She's just a person in the Lincoln, but she is, on a self-quarantine because someone she knows just tested positive for COVID. And so she's like, well, I'm just going to self-quarantine uh, for two weeks. And she said she made the post to eliminate shame. So like people can start talking about it. Like, Hey, I'm in quarantine because maybe we're not feeling it enough. Like what's actually happening because people are maybe embarrassed or ashamed if they were around somebody with COVID. And so the public just doesn't even have a sense of how pervasive it is. Uh, so I love that she posted about it and I hope people follow her lead. And if you have to quarantine, test, tell everybody, tell right. everybody. Um, and if you did something you're embarrassed about, maybe tell them that too, uh, so that we can all do better. We can all do better and learn from each other because COVID is so pervasive in Lincoln. And I don't know how we're not going to have a teacher shortage by a week after in-person school starts. Here's my question. Aren't most substitute teachers like retired teachers? Uh, every time my child had a substitute last year, it was like a teacher I had in elementary school that was retired and did subbing. And that's not the only time. It happens all the time. Like we can't have these 65-year-old ladies teaching in COVID land. Well, I mean, the other thing is I have had many friends come in from out of state who are teachers who have taught for a long time wherever they came from and apparently the Nebraska basically just doesn't accept that other states have 
good teaching programs. I don't know. It seems very uh, exclusionary and they have to go through all of these classes. It's a huge hurdle. It's really hard, even if you already have a teacher's license to teach in Nebraska. Um, I don't know what we're going to do about the teacher shortage that we will definitely have. Well, I mean, did you guys hear? This is so, seriously, if there are teachers who want to tell your story, we want to come talk to you next Sunday for real. If uh, school's actually open and you actually live through it. Um, but they are, they don't have the sprayers for the spray bottles that they are requiring people to use. So they drilled holes in the caps and they just want people to like sprinkle bleach water on everything and like wipe it up. Yeah, 30%. Yeah, and that includes the hand sanitizer too. The hand sanitizer has also had holes drilled in it. So when the kiddos come into class, they have to sprinkle it on the kids' hands. And liquids don't sprinkle. Yeah, like I guess <laughs> one like, dollop is one serving of hand sanitizer or whatever. <laughs> I mean, if we don't have the supplies, then we just need to wait. I mean, what is going on here? Um, and that's not the school's fault, by the way. Like, none No, of it's not the school's, school's fault. fault. So at some point, we have to be able to come out and say, look, we would love to teach your kids, but we also have to protect our staff and your kids. And the, we cannot do that without the proper equipment. And yeah, so it wasn't people's fault. That's a leadership issue. That has nothing to do with the school. The school doesn't yeah. produce sprayers. So... If they don't have all the supplies they need, are there any expectations on the teachers to provide these? I haven't, I, well, I haven't heard that, but also how could they? Things like Clorox wipes, for example, they don't even have them. You can't buy them anywhere. That stuff is, it's like toilet paper. When the toilet paper ran out, people were like texting, hey, I saw toilet paper, I can buy two packages. Do you need, who needs a package? Well, and you know, I mean, I think it's like the worst kept secret in the world, right? That teachers go out of their own pocket to provide what they need to keep the kids in their class, educated, safe, happy, healthy, you know, depending on where you're at, teachers fill their desk with snacks. If kiddos need food, they're willing to buy pencils because the kids don't have pencils. And, and most of our teachers are given their budget, you know, for the year and they have to spend it. It's, it's such a small amount of money that they're given for their classrooms to buy what they need. But now you look at, for example, an elementary school where maybe they don't have that much money. And so maybe they have a, a shared set of scissors that goes to all the kindergarten classrooms, right? Like they've got one set of scissors and they do their, they stagger their craft period because they only have 35 pairs of scissors. Well, now this year, anything that is touched by a student has to wait 72 hours before another student can touch it. Can we talk about like the security theater of that, by the way, I, I have seen zero evidence that people are getting COVID because they touched something that someone else touched who had COVID. It is all transmitting through droplets in the air. Like somebody breathed on you with COVID and then you breathed in their funky COVID germs and then and you got it. And then you breathed on other people and then they got it. It feels like what the, we did after 9-11 when we were like, you know what, we're really worried about uh, international security. We're worried about terrorists. We're worried about uh, crime. 
And therefore, we're going to let the assault weapons ban expire. We're going to create a no-fly list that has zero due process, but we're going to intentionally exclude anybody who doesn't pass a back, couldn't pack a, pass a background check. We're going to exclude like all these different people. It, it feels, and then we're going to create the TSA who rains misery on anyone who flies on an airplane. And I could talk about how much I hate the TSA. I could talk an entire hour about it and I just might, but but they don't do anything. And every time there is a penetration audit to see if things, um, if the TSA is good at keeping things out of the airport they're supposed to keep out, they almost always fail. Mm-hmm. Almost always. They are a garbage organization. And that is what all of this um, surface theater, it is a garbage, it's garbage policy to cover up for the fact that we have left bars and restaurants open as the numbers surged. Yep. It's garbage. And that we cannot do a mask mandate anywhere but Lincoln because it turns out the Lancaster County Health Department was founded before the Nebraska Health Department, which is the only reason that we're, we have the legal authority in Lincoln and Lancaster County to pass a mask mandate, which two weeks after the mask mandate, our numbers have started to drop. So it turns yep. out that's a policy that seems to work. Meanwhile you know, up the road 50 miles, the mayor who has taken a great deal of money from our governor for election purposes. How much uh, money? $40,000. He gave me, Jean, $40,000? $40,000. There are only two other, no, no, that is the most money he's given to any elected official. That is the most money he has given to any elected official that is currently elected. So it is unsurprising that even though she is a nurse, even though her husband is a doctor at UNMC, her town is failing COVID. The biggest city in the country, the only city in the, in the top 100 largest cities in the United States of America that does not have a mask mandate. By the way, seeing Red Nebraska did break that story. Did break that story. We were verified by a reporter at the Omaha World Herald. <laughs> who later, who later quoted our amazing meme in his article. Yay! <laughs> we're official! <laughs> and I have heard reports that that meme has been seen in the wild by teenagers and their actual friends sharing the meme where we congratulate Omaha and give them the coronavirus award. Something about a horking on your face award. But it was a beautiful trophy with the COVID on the top. Lovely. Wow. We're getting serious over here, man. Yep. But meanwhile, only one school district in Omaha is closing. The others. Here's the thing. If you have kids or know people with kids that have high schoolers, I feel like the people with the untapped political power in this situation usually it's white moms usually the karens are very good at getting their way but they're it's not working for some reason and i I don't know why the untapped political potential here it's the high schoolers we need to see the kind of fervor to protect themselves and their teachers that they brought out for black lives matter this summer that they brought out for 
um, gun control. They've done it for the environment. Like these are teenagers who um, the upcoming generation, they are fierce and they're powerful and they are untapped on this issue. And if they're in Lincoln, your school is not ready for you. They, and it's not, it's not really the school's fault, but it is their fault that they're not showing leadership right now. And yeah, I mean, you, if you're a teen in this city, I'd love to see, you know, your video testimony, your whatever you want to create to go viral. I'd love to see what the teenagers in this city have to offer because I've been so inspired by them. Oh my gosh. Heck yeah. Make some memes, make some TikToks, make, you know, what, is there a new one? Twitch? I haven't checked it out yet, but I just got on TikTok, which I think is like the most like middle-aged mom thing ever. I got on TikTok in the quarantine, but whatever. I am who I am. <laughs> Maybe one of those dancing TikTok videos can be a, you know, a special offer for our patrons. <laughs> Melody doing the TikTok. Well, I haven't actually made a TikTok. Oh, okay. I just watched You're them. You're just a stalker. Yeah, oh, I don't know. I'm in agreement, Stephanie. I think I think our next five patrons should get an exclusive Melody Vaccaro TikTok, TikTok. dancing video. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would do it. Yes. I would do it. That's good. I, I think we make that offer. I might be my own. I might be a patron myself. <laughs> I mean, I'm real close to the keyboard thinking about where my five bucks to ruin Pete Ricketts day is going. And if it's right. going for an exclusive Melody Vaccaro TikTok video. Oh my gosh. I have to do it. Yep. That would be so great. That would be so great. Okay. Well, Can you wear your flag uh, onesie. Oh my, oh my gosh. I would totally wear my flag onesie. Yes. This is getting better. I would wear my flag onesie. Yes. 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 Um, okay. <laughs> People, you are. You're too much. You're just too much. Um, so here's the other thing. I want to talk about there is our state legislature has been in session since July 20th. They have done nothing to prepare for a shrinking economy, the record unemployment numbers, um, renters rights, uh, really, really important things that, are impacting people's lives right now and they will not be in session again until January. So like this is their one shot and they're lucky that they even got this one shot because um, they were closed early in the spring and that's why they have a little extra time right now and they won't be able to really do anything this fall because there's an election and so you know, it would just be really hard to bring in the brand new elected officials to do like a quick emergency session. I mean, it's just, this was their chance to really shine and show the state that they took their job as um, governance of state seriously. And instead of doing that, what they have done is turned this session into a fight to bankrupt the state through an unconstitutional abortion policy. And it's horrifying to watch. It really is. I mean, aside from the fact that we're, we're gonna write a bad abortion bill at this point, like the fact that in a pandemic, 
when our state budget shortfall is probably the largest it's been in quite some time, we're worried about how we're gonna pay for things. And here we are trying to pass legislation that we can be guaranteed is going to be tied up in courts on and on and on. Um, I, I did find a really interesting article written by Pete Ricketts um, called Budgeting the Nebraska Way. And it seems like it's in direct contradiction to how he believes we ought to budget the Nebraska way where he says our spending decisions should all be governed by a strong tradition of fiscal restraint. It is certainly not fiscal restraint to pass a bill that we know has not with, withheld or withstood constitutional challenges in other states. I mean, also we know that the governor is a liar because he gave test Nebraska a no bid contract and they have failed at all of their metrics that they were supposed to meet all their terms of contract they're not meeting them and we gave them 26 was it 26 or 27 million dollars for a no bid contract to do software that probably we could have had um the unl the rakes department at unl we could have had them probably write it there was no reason, and we could have had him partner with UNMC. There's no reason we should have outsourced that to some tech bros in Utah. We spent a lot of money in death penalty litigation because the governor refused to follow the law, uh, and we're refusing to follow the law with prison overcrowding, and that's also costing us a whole lot of money in uh, litigation. So, so he is not fiscally conservative by anybody's. He also bought illegal death penalty drugs and we never even got them. That was $54,000. So he is not a um, fiscal conservative by anybody's. No. Not even close. He doesn't budget the Nebraska way, guys. He doesn't. No, no, he doesn't. Where he does spend his money is, so for this abortion bill, he gave $15,000 to Suzanne Geist. We've written about her on the Seeing Red blog before. She made some comments after Black Lives Matter that she had learned a lot about racial justice that she did not know and about the Black experience. She didn't know how bad things were. And we doubted that and dig, did some digging. And it turns out when she was growing up in Arkansas, her dad worked in a prison and was taking bad blood from prisoners and selling it to Canada. And a bunch of people got sick and maybe even some people died. I can't remember exactly. I'd have to fact check the, the death part, but this is her most important thing to work on is an unconstitutional badly written abortion bill. So she's the bill sponsor, 15,000. The only two people to take more money were Gene Stothard at $40,000. And weirdly, Tim Clare, who is a regent, which is what we use for the, they're like city council, but they're the UN, university um, system governance. So Tim Clare, so he bought a seat there. Um, it's a badly written bill. So even if you are opposed to this type of abortion, and even if you're willing to go through the constitutional fight or whatever, right? Like, let's just say you are, you don't care about the constitution and let's just say you love to waste money. Um, it's a badly written bill. So this happens even when bills are good ideas. Just like when you were in school 
and you would have this great idea for a paper and your teacher would send it back and say, need to revise. And then maybe you try to get it published. And the publishing company was like, meh, it's really cool. We want to publish it, but you need to write it better. And so you have to keep working on it. That's where this bill is. It's a badly written bill. Yep. Also, of course, the most important thing, the most important point about abortion is women's bodies don't need to be governed by the government. They just don't. And what's so fascinating about women's bodies not needing to be governed by the government is those same folks who are now putting up racist signs at Madsen's bowling alley to try and get out of the Lincoln, Nebraska mask mandate really don't want those white men really do not want anyone telling them what to wear on their bodies. Yeah. Oh yeah. People against the mask ordinance are super white fragility. That is, and it's predominantly men, uh, not all men, but predominantly. Uh, And it is, I just published a series of screenshots on Twitter and you could see they had signs in front of this bowling alley that said like billiards lives matter. What was that even about? That's not human. A billiards league is not a human person. And Black Lives Matter is about police violence actually killing humans. That is, they said business lives matter. They had a sign about that because um, just like the Supreme Court Citizens United, there is a wing of people in the country that think businesses are people, but they're not. Businesses are not people. Citizens United kind of decided they were. But they're wrong. No one is killing the Madsen's business until they're refusing to follow health directives, right? So, I mean, I hear them saying over and over they are taking a stand uh, against this tyranny. Mm -hmm. But I wonder, are they also taking a stand against serving expired chicken out of their kitchen? Are they also taking a stand about um, how they store their cleaning supplies? Do they allow rats in their kitchen at Madsen's? I mean, I don't know, but they could take a stand on any number of health directives. Yeah. That are clearly tyrannical. And meanwhile, the only thing the state legislature is worried about is this abortion bill. They have spent almost the entirety of the session on this fight. It is incredible. And, you know, I'm fine with the legislature, like, wasting time on, like, fights of importance, right? And, like, places where they disagree. I don't expect them, if they're all agreeing on everything, you better believe that Nebraskans are being left behind. I'll show up to agree. They need to be fighting because they should be representing all different types of constituents. They should be fighting all all the time. Um, That's not the problem is they're spending time fighting. The problem is the speaker of the legislature is not putting bills on the schedule that actually serve Nebraska. And he gets to, he has that prerogative as the speaker. He gets to decide what he puts on the uh, every day. And so he is ensuring that we will have no state COVID relief, that we will uh, have no renters, help for renters. So if you're being evicted like the pregnant woman in Omaha. Was she pregnant or she had a newborn? I think she had maybe had a newborn. And they evicted her in a pandemic. So, you know, that kind of thing. That is, that's what 
the legislature doesn't care to work on. However, if you are fetal tissue, that that's their, um, those are the only people they care about. As soon as you're born, this legislature is just garbage. They're not going to schedule any conversation. They're not going to have conversations about meatpacking plants and how to make those safer. No, they, they voted not to. They, they did talk about it and they voted not to, even though that's where most of our original spread came from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They voted not to talk about that. They don't want to, you know, there's a lot of things they don't want to talk about. They don't want to talk about uh, police oversight. They're not spending time worried about prison overcrowding, which we have now passed the deadline to decrowd our prisons, which are at the 140% capacity mark, which was the goal for July 1st. We've missed that. We've blown on by it. Mm-hmm. And we're not doing prison reform. We're not helping with that. We're not figuring out how to have different sentences and all those kinds of things. But what we're doing is caring about fetal tissue. Well, and here's the thing is you have to give them credit. Their whole plan is to make government fail so that then they can point and see, see government fails. That's why you have to let us do what we always wanted to do when we were blocking you when you were trying to fix this. So there's been, there are ideas to make things better and they are, they're failing everything because what they actually want is Pete Ricketts wants a new prison. We're a small population state. There's no reason we should, we don't have enough prison space. It's because they want to imprison people because it is a, profitable business endeavor and there's big money in prison contracts to build them to maintain them to um, provide services to them and there's big money there and they they are willing to sell human life down for for those contracts this is all about because they want a new prison that's why they won't deal with the prison crisis. And then they're trying to convince people, like, look, we tried everything, but it didn't work. But, but really, they tried nothing. It's a classic Republican strategy. And just to be clear, Democrats, when you go vote, um, seeing red sometimes gets in trouble with the Democratic Party because we're not very good cheerleaders sometimes. Uh, sometimes we are because they're the only party that ever gets it right. But they're not right all the time. And I will say... Senator Crawford, you are termed out. You are termed out. Why in fuck's sake would you be voting for this unconstitutional, fiscally irresponsible, badly written bill for abortion? Why would you do that? You are not only a woman and a Democrat, but you are termed out. There's no political fallback for you. You basically, what, just hate women? You hate Nebraska having money? You hate good policy? Like, what's your problem? McDonnell, he's a Democrat in Omaha. Uh, I don't even know if he likes anything Democrats like. He votes wrong on gun bills. He's wrong on women's rights. He's wrong on racial justice. Like, what is his problem? Why is he a Democrat? Why are Democrats... Uh, continuing to support him. That's got to stop. I know he's like high up in the union world, but we could find someone else who's high up in the union world that doesn't vote against our beliefs and values and everything else he votes bad on. Quick, out in Grand Island, where are you? I mean, Hilkelman, he's usually very reasonable in Omaha. Um, And I guarantee you, Hilkelman, 
Omaha is going to need a bunch of money in aid because you have the most people, people who are listening, anything you can do, anyone you can talk to. Those are really the three things. The bill is badly written. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. It's unconstitutional. Abortion is health care. Yeah, I'm so mad. Maybe we should have some like doctors making decisions about what medical procedures are appropriate and not, and not a bunch of like, I just don't feel like our legislators need to be legislating health care. Like that's not the way that this works. I mean, maybe getting people health care, which we all know lots of them tried very hard to make sure this didn't happen for a very long time, but. Yeah, no, it is the Ricketts administration and everyone who votes with him, whether you're Republicans or Democrats, they, there is just this total disregard for human life and a strong civic health, a total disregard. And it's maddening. It's just maddening. At least he's consistent. I mean, fair enough. That is fair enough. So, okay. I have to admit, I have not been reading this summer. I want to be reading, but I just can't. I literally, I just go to my phone and I'm playing some really stupid game called Small Towns where you, it's like Candy Crush. You just get three in a row or whatever. Um, And then as it moves forward, you learn about all these different murder mysteries. It's totally stupid, but that's all my brain can handle because everything's melting down and then kids, life, all the things. Um, What about you guys? Are you reading? Stephanie, are you reading? Uh, I'm reading the Harry Potter series right now. And um, yeah, I also do not have a lot of capacity for reading. We're getting ready to continue to work from home and remote school and that's about all I have the capacity for. Do you YouTube the chapters after you read them? Um, well, this is, she and I are reading them together, um, which we've listened to them several times. Um, we like to listen to them on Audible. Um, oh. Part of our bedtime routine. Got so it. She picked up some interesting vocabulary. Maybe next time I'll remember to grab the list and the mm. funny words she's integrated. <laughs> Would love that. Uh, Okay, Emily, please tell me that you are the responsible adult in the room and you are reading. You know, that is my escape because it's really, I'm not reading, but I am listening to a lot of books on audio and I can put in my headphones and get just a little bit of quiet in my life. Also, I'm up with the dog, you know, my little pandemic puppy a lot in the evening and at night. And so I do stick my earphones in and listen to books then. So I can, um, in fact, recommend a book called The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. It is a novel, and it is about some uh, twin women who are light-skinned Black women, and one of the women becomes a secretary and starts to pass as white, and so she actually leaves her family and transitions into the white community, and so then she has her life. Uh, Meanwhile, her twin continues to live in the Black community, and so they, it follows their life as they, di- their lives completely diverge. Uh, that was really, really interesting. And I did enjoy it. So I can recommend that. Mm, I read a book by um, a while ago called Passing by Nella Larson and Courtney Lawton. That was a book that she was studying for her dissertation. And um it had a similar storyline where there were two childhood friends and 
there were in um, like the 1920s and one decided to uh, go through life passing and they run into each other as adults. And that's kind of what the book is about. And it's, uh, it's really, really good. Well, awesome. I will add that to our bookshop recommendations. All right. Any final thoughts? Let us know when that TikTok video is ready to roll so we can. <laughs> you thought we'd forget. We did not forget. That's no, fair. And our new patrons are not going to forget. Fair. Fair enough. Well, okay. I'll do it. I'll do it. If we get five new patrons, I'll be bougie, ratchet. I don't remember what the other ones are, but I'll learn it. I'll learn it. All right, five new patrons gets a Melody Vaccaro exclusive TikTok video in a flag onesie. I'm already laughing. Okay, well, we'll do it. All right, well, good night. We'll talk to you next week. Night, thank you. You've been listening to Seeing Red Nebraska, Politics from the Left. Seeing Red is a group blog edited by citizen volunteers and entirely devoted to Nebraska politics. You can support us on Patreon with a $5, $10, or $20 a month donation. Be sure to check us out at seeingrednebraska.com and on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at seeingredne or contact us via email at seeingredne at protonmail.com. 